Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries, hosting alongside Jake Deemer. Jake, how you doing this week? I'm good. I'm watching watching a lot of the Little League World Series. Nice. More, more so than actual baseball right now. Do you have a rooting favorite that you've been watching more than other teams? No, it's just whatever games are on. I have noticed that they do not do any substance checks between innings. So I'm thinking I'm, if I was the Little League coach, I'd be spider tacking it up with the pitchers. Yeah, hey, I, I would too. Did you see – I don't even know what team the kid plays for, but his name is Gavin Weir. Uh, he has pitched through districts, states, regionals, and the Little League World Series tournament. This kid has thrown 37 and two-thirds innings pitched. He has allowed one hit and has struck out 100. Yeah, I saw him throw the first game of uh, the Little League World Series. That He plays for South Dakota. Uh, he threw five and two-thirds, shut out, in it, shut out 15 strikeouts. He looks yeah, like Chris Sale. I was going to say. Like a left-handed, he's left-handed. Mechanics look like sale, which probably doesn't bode well for his uh, arm health in the future because sales mechanics are absolute garbage. But it's really crazy to watch like a side by side because they look very similar. Yeah, I have a side by side right now in in one of the discords that I'm in, and yeah, they're basically identical. And that's crazy because that's like 25k per nine, which is almost like literally striking out every single batter that you face. Yeah, when so, you're when you're like 12 and 13, sometimes you just have kids athletically and probably at any sport that are just head and shoulders above everyone else. Or at least it seems that way anyways. I've heard too that kids at that age level don't really see a lot of lefty pitchers and since he is a lefty pitcher, might factor in. But Yeah, that is that is for sure a thing. Lefties at younger ages kind of have just a built-in advantage because they throw with they throw left-handed. Yeah, so Gavin Weir, keep him on your fantasy radar for, I don't know, 10 years from now. Let's get into our actual episode. This is episode 21, our quarterfinals preview. You know, we're just now getting to round one of our playoffs after. I know it's, it's, it was a longer season than what we experienced last year, but it still feels to me like it went by too quickly. Um. But we're going to actually start off this episode. We're going to start off the next two episodes after this with some fantasy awards. And this week's may be a little disappointing just because I only got nominations from three people. And really, for one of the two awards, I only got nominations from one person. That's probably my bad for not sending out another reminder before we recorded here tonight. But I'm going to go through with it anyway because we wanted to do two of these awards each episode um, you know, throughout our playoffs. So here are the awards for this week. The first one we have is Best Negotiator, which is the manager that you enjoy negotiating with the most. And three different people made nominations, and it was actually a unanimous win for Big Money Mike, who was nominated by Jordan, Nick, and me. Um, speaking to it on behalf of Nick and Jordan, since I also nominated him, Mike is just somebody that's a lot of fun to negotiate with because, as Jordan says, he wants to get a deal done at all costs when he's locked into the negotiation, but he doesn't come off as too aggressive or too pushy or anything like that. And uh, I think if, if you are looking for the art of the deal, Mike would be your guy. He would be the guy that you would go and ask because he is the one that is always making a trade always seems to be in a negotiation and it doesn't matter what league it's in. Uh, he does it in football. He does it in keeper baseball. He does it in dynasty baseball. He just always has his hand on the trade market and is always involved in trades going on every week. So I, I think it's no surprise that big money. Mike was voted as the best negotiator. Jake, do you have anything to add? Uh, can't wait to see what it's like next year with no trade limit. It's going to be going to be Mike unleashed next year yeah you might have to come up with a new nickname big money mike uh i guess would no longer fit since he's not gonna have to make trade fees but he's probably gonna make double the trades now that there's no trade fees so 
Mike Unleashed might be a new team name for him next year. I like it. Uh, worst trade offer. So I went through my own, and you can actually, if you navigate to the transaction history page on Fantrax, and then you uncheck or you, you click over to the trades tab and you unchecked ex executed only, you can actually see all of the trades that um, not only were accepted, of course, but the ones that you sent out that got rejected or the ones that got sent to you that you declined. And so I went to check my own and some of them seemed, you know, iffy. Like, I know I saw Nick Pavetta. Nick offered him to me for Luis Castillo straight up. And right now that looks awful. But at the time, Luis Castillo was completely unrosterable. So like, context being, I did see a couple that I thought, eh, maybe I could include that here, but... At the time, they, seem, they seemed pretty reasonable in terms of the value of each player, so I didn't make any nominations myself. Luckily, we had actually two nominations from Jordan, and here they were, Jake. You tell me if these were pretty bad. Both of these were a lot earlier in the season. The first one was at the beginning of July, right after Byron Buxton broke his hand. Brendan offered Jordan Byron Buxton for Brian Reynolds, Mark Melanson, Luis Urias, and Miguel Rojas. I don't really care about Luis Urias and Miguel Rojas, but uh, Buxton, right after he broke his hand, for Brian Reynolds and Mark Melanson. What do you think? Is that pretty bad, Jake? And it's not awful, but like a four for one is kind of a... That's, that's a lot to try and, try and sort out. Feels like a lot, and you'll also note that Buxton is coming at a steeper price than Brian Reynolds and has one year less of eligibility. I know he was playing at a higher level or has played at a higher level this year when he's been healthy than Brian Reynolds, but Reynolds is uh, cheaper, has an extra year, and has been playing at a high level himself. I thought that one was, you know, whatever. It's not a good offer, but I don't know. Worst trade offer, I guess that might have been Jordan's worst trade offer, but he actually sent me another one. And ironically, <laughs> this one was from Brendan too. It was in like the first couple weeks of the season. Brendan offered him Trevor Williams, Nate Pearson, and Estrubal Cabrera for DJ LeMahieu, who I think was Jordan's second round pick. This one I, I think is safe to say that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, that one's pretty bad. Yeah, so no, I guess not as fun of a uh, an award as I was hoping because we didn't get, you know, nominations from anybody besides Jordan for worst trade offer. But I'd also I heard part of the problem. Part of the problems was I think part of the problem was we only announced it like a day before. Yeah, we'll podcast. have more time for the next one or the next round of awards. And I forgot to remind people. Normally, I'll say like, "Hey, make sure to get your." nominations into me i'll say that one more time before I we guess, actually I, just looking at look i just i didn't know you could do that before uh with the looking through your trades i just looked through mine uh there weren't too many bad ones but one that stands out was i got offered blake snell for Cattell Marte by jc nice and i'm a i'm a noted blake snell hater so that one stands out as being pretty bad for mine yeah, so that is our fantasy awards for this first week edition of that segment. Uh, next week, I think we are going to be doing Best Trader, which is the manager who struck the best balance of quantity and quality of trade wins this season, and Best Candidate for Comeback Manager of the Year, um, which is basically teams that disappointed mostly we're probably going to be picking from uh, non-playoff teams that we would expect to make playoffs next year. And then in our championship week, we'll be talking about most valuable manager and best manager. And the distinction between those two best is kind of just like talent skill who performed the best. Most valuable is, is kind of like uh, who was most enjoyable to have in the league this year. So that is what you guys have to look forward to with our fantasy awards in the next few episodes. But Let's finally get into our prior week recap, looking back at the final week of our regular season. Jake, I'll lead us off with my biggest upset. It was team positivity versus weak pullout hitter. Uh, with his back against the wall and a chance to punch his own ticket to the playoffs, Jerwin delivered and kept his season alive with a big 2-0 performance and a tough matchup versus Sam, 
whose team had had been very hot. I don't think that there is any cause for concern with Sam's team as he didn't have a completely down week. But I will point out that Jerwin should be encouraged after a recent slump for his team and picking up a win over a legitimate playoff team like Sam's. And I wouldn't call it a soft matchup, but Jerwin is getting nearly as good of a matchup as you could expect being the number eight seed in the final playoff team and having to be matched up with the number one overall seed in the league since Jake, your team is getting hit uh, with some misfortune by way of injuries and real-life trade deadline surprises. I know we've already talked about it in detail, but Kimbrell getting traded to the White Sox was kind of just a, a kick while you're down on top of all the injuries that you've been dealing with. So luckily for Jerwin, he's not getting your team at full strength. So that is my biggest upset. What did you have walking away from our last regular season week? I wanted to throw Scott some love going 2-0 and and staving off the uh, worst uh, head-to-head record, which is which was held by Sean, which still is held by Sean, in 2018. Uh, I think this was his first 2-0 and week, and he was able to play spoiler. I guess it wouldn't have really mattered because Jarwin won, but Eddie needed to go 2-0 and to get into the playoffs, and Scott made sure that didn't happen. But, yeah, I think it was just a nice way to end his season on a high note and definitely a tough season, having not drafted for himself, kind of inheriting a team that had been absolutely gutted by the auto draft and the previous owner. So just wanted to throw Scott some love ending his season on a high note. Hopefully he can carry that in the next year. Yeah, I like the pick. I actually – maybe this is – Poor homework on my part, but I actually didn't even see that Scott won. I just, my eyes first went to what happened in Jerwin's matchup because obviously he was the the wild card race team that controlled his own fate. And when I saw that he won, I was like, oh yeah, that's my biggest upset since I picked Sam to win that matchup. But that is a great call with Scott's team. I'm sure he loved, I know Scott's really competitive. Even if he's out of it, he wants to win. And uh, his transactions have actually reflected that. He's continued to make ads and drops throughout the season, even though he's been eliminated. So I like that pick. Biggest takeaway, what do you have, Jake? Uh, so my biggest takeaway was that four teams really set themselves apart in August. Uh, these were Nick, you, Sam, and me. We all had at least 95 points ahead of the next closest team. So it seems like those four teams have the momentum heading into the playoffs by at least a good tier. And then after that, we had Courtney and um, Jerwin. And then uh, behind them, JC has kind of been kind of limping into the playoffs here. He's way back there in August. But, yeah, my biggest takeaway was that I think those four teams really should be favored because none of them play each other this round. I think all four of those teams should be pretty good favorites to advance, just coming in with the momentum and uh, been playing well for quite some time. Where does Mike fit into that puzzle. Oh, sorry. My, Mike was in that tier with uh, Jerwin and Courtney. Gotcha. Okay. Forgot about him. Couldn't forget about big money, Mike. Uh, my biggest takeaway is that thanks to the league median, the eight best teams made it into the playoffs. Uh, it was a respectable effort from Eddie, who is probably the only other team on the outside looking in that I thought was somewhat deserving of a playoff spot, given the strong performances basically every other week. Uh, But ultimately, I think that the eight most talented rosters pushed their way into the playoffs this year. And I'm encouraged by this because it feels to me like our league median setting did its job in this first season where it mattered in terms of eliminating teams from the playoff bracket. Whereas last year, it was only used for seeding since every team had an automatic ticket to the playoffs. Um, But actually, as a matter of fact, I asked Jake to compile everyone's record versus the league median this year since he was going to track that for the league history document anyway so that i could share it for this biggest takeaway and uh my intuition was right on the money because our eight playoff teams were the eight best teams against the median this year and here's everyone's record against the league median this season so jake was number one with a record of 16 2 and 1 against the median my record at number two was 15 and 4 Courtney came in at number three, 14 and five. JC was number four at 11, seven and one. 
Nick fifth with a record of 11 and 8. Mike sixth with a record of 10 and 9. Sam seventh with a record of 9 and 10. Jerwin eighth with a record of 8 and 11. And then our four non playoff teams Brendan, Jordan, and Eddie all had a record of 6 and 13, while Scott went 2 and 17 versus the median. So it actually seems as though our seating almost aligned perfectly with records against the league median. The only exceptions being that it seems like JC got a little bit unlucky to slide behind Nick in the final seating because he actually had a better record versus the median than Nick, even by a half game because he was 11, 7, and 1 compared to Nick's 11 and 8. And then Courtney and I kind of flipped where she's the number one seed for the West Division, even though I have uh, a better record than her against the median by one win. So Jake, I know you're going to get back to that a little bit later specifically with one team, so I will not play spoiler there. Let's talk about the official playoff matchups. I know you sent them out to the group chat, but our East Division side of the bracket, we have you as the number one overall seed in the league, Jake's fantasy baseball team, playing our second wildcard team, the eighth seed, Jerwin, which is Team Positivity. In the second matchup in the East side of the bracket, we have the two seed, Nick Pine Run Market playing the three seed in the East, JC, which his team name is still JC, hashtag $50 by 2022. And then over in the West side of the bracket, we have our number one seed in the West, but our number two seed overall in the league, Courtney, Team C. Deemer playing our first wildcard team, Sam, weak pullout hitter as the seventh seed. And then the two and three seeds, uh, me as the two seed number one contender playing Big Money Mike, the three seed in the West. So those are your first round, your quarterfinal matchups. And uh, let's just talk about these matchups, Jake. I'm, I'm excited to kind of do this roundtable segment with you. And the, the first thing that I wanted to ask, which I think that from what you said earlier, in terms of the four teams that separated themselves, I'm guessing that we're actually going to agree here. But who would you consider to be the favorite in each matchup? We'll go one by one. Who do you think... Uh, is the odds-on favorite in your matchup with Jerwin? I think it's my team. I'm not. I'm not going to deviate from what I kind of said earlier with the four teams really setting themselves apart. Because I, for one thing, it's not like they were. They were just better. They were. Uh, they were better by, and that they're better by almost a hundred points, and that's a pretty good margin. So I, I think that those four teams that I mentioned have to be favored in each one of these games. So I would, I would favor my team here. Yeah, I would agree. And I know I was pretty hot on Jerwin's team throughout the season after he kind of decided to sell his big keepers and, and get pieces that would help him win this year. It seems like the performance never really aligned with, I don't want to say my hopes for his team, but my thought as to how well his team would perform Despite all that, um, I kind of have to go with the tried and true, the consistent weekly performances. And obviously, you've been the most consistent, Jake, with the best record in the league, the best re- uh, record against the league median itself. So there's not much question here. Even you dealing with those injuries that you would be the favorite in this matchup between you and Jerwin. Second matchup, Nick versus JC. You've already alluded that Nick would be your pick for favorite in this matchup because he's coming into the playoffs hot. I pick him to be the favorite in this matchup for the same reason. But I think that this is this is an interesting matchup for me, Jake, because I can see, you know, it's it's not impossible for me to see an upset happening here, but I could also see this potentially being uh, the biggest spread between two teams that are playing each other in round one. So it's a really interesting matchup because I feel like JC's team has been very hot and cold, especially over the last month and a half or so. I don't know if you have yeah. anything to add. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's JC's hasn't really been I think he had he's had one big week since the trade deadline, right? I'd have to go back and look specifically. I know this past week he had an awful week. I want to say the week before. If not the week before, then it was two weeks ago before this past week. He had a really great week. Um so yeah, and the trade deadline was July 31st for us. So yeah, that kind of falls yeah, in I mean, line guess, with that month, month and a half time frame. Yeah, so I in August so far, I think he was like 10th in total points. So it would be it would be tough to consider him the favorite here. 
Yeah, that's that's fair for framing the question is who is the favorite. Uh, the next matchup that I have, I guess let's start at the top of the West Division. We have Courtney and Sam. This is the really interesting matchup to talk about because you have the number two overall seed in the league versus a bottom two playoff team on on paper by playoff seeding, I guess I should say. But I'm actually in agreement with you, Jake. I think Sam being really hot coming into the playoffs catapults him to be the favorite in this matchup. And this is the other one that uh, I don't. I could see it being a blowout. I don't. I don't just think that the that the upset potential is real. I could see Sam running away with this matchup, given that it's two weeks and given how successful his team has been coming into this first playoff round. Yeah, if you come into the playoffs and you're you're hot and you are healthy, that is a very good combination. And Sam is both of those things right now, whereas Courtney is neither of those things. So. She's coming in ice cold, and a lot of her guys are still going to be out. So, got to go with Sam as the favorite here. And then in the final matchup, me versus Big Money Mike. This is uh, probably, in my book, the two rosters that are most closely matched in terms of overall talent. But Mike is coming off of a pretty cold week. I'm coming off of a, even though I didn't go 2-0, coming off of a very hot week. And I know I had a down week the week before, but we kind of flip-flopped to where he had a good week two weeks ago. I had a down week. But then this past week in the final matchup before we enter the round, you know, the first round of the playoffs, I had a great week and he had a not-so-good week. So I think uh, given my record and consistency against the median this year, I would have to consider myself the favorite, you know, on top of when you consider that Clayton Kershaw is probably not going to be back for Mike and Mookie Betts will, you know, most likely be back for me in round two. I think that that those few factors, I think it's safe to say that I would be considered the favorite for this matchup. Yeah, I would agree with you there. I I will say though, that Mike is the one that is one of the teams that can score with you on your best weeks. So if he, if it does all come together for him, and it does all come together for you, I, I think that it would be, that would be considered a pretty even matchup if everything goes right for both of you guys. I think the talent, like you said, is pretty even. Yep. So I would agree there. Um, <clears throat> I guess that probably lends itself to our next question. Maybe not, because that's that's an everything goes right scenario. The next question is, which matchup do you expect to be closest of the four? I'll be curious to hear your answer. Uh, so I went with my matchup with Jerwin. Um, I know that my team, my team's kind of struggling. Well, we're not really struggling. I had a good week last week, but struggling with injuries. George Springer's been my best hitter. He, I'm not going to have him for at least the first week. Uh, obviously, I'm not getting DeGrom back. Antomaeda just went down. Um, if I have another pitcher injury, I could I could be in some trouble here, not just for this round, but maybe going forward because my pitching's pretty thin right now. But yeah, I, I like Jarwin's team to kind of keep up with mine this week, and I, I think that I guess like what I guess I the reason I picked this one over your matchup with Mike is I don't really know which team we're getting from Mike this week because his team just seems to have so many like the the range of outcomes seems much wider for him than Jarwin's team so I that's why I don't go with your matchup with Mike I think that that one the rain like I said the range of outcomes uh is a lot wider with that one uh same thing I guess with the other two I just I with Nick and JC I think that that Nick has a real chance to run away with that one and uh like you said with Sam, I feel like that one, that one could be pretty close, but I, Courtney's guys being hurt kind of worries me. So that's why I, I guess by default I'm kind of going with uh, my team, my my team versus Jarwin as the closest matchup. That's an interesting pick. That's not the one I would have expected, um, mainly because I think that that's going to be. I don't, it's hard to say because I don't want to say uh, it's going to be a blowout. But if you had to, if you asked me to rank in terms of highest probability which matchups I expect to be closest, I think I would probably put yours fourth. Um, my pick is actually my matchup, so it's ironic. You're picking your own matchup. I'm picking my own matchup. 
And it's not necessarily because I'm expecting like an everything goes right for both Mike's team and my team. It's mainly because I think when you have a team with a very high offensive floor, which I think it's safe to classify both of our teams, you know, being built in that manner. I think that the team, even if the pitching doesn't go well, that the the overall performance is still going to look pretty good because your offense is going to put up numbers day in and day out. And so I can't say with confidence what the final outcome is going to be or which of our teams is going to pop off, if either of them. You know, we could both slump over these next two weeks. But I think the recipe of all of that and the fact that the offense on both sides has a very high floor, I think the the number of points that I expect each of our teams to put up is going to be very high. And because of that, I think it's going to be, I think it has the highest probability of being the closest among the four playoff matchups here in round one. So different perspectives there. I like it. Which matchup is most likely to see an upset? I'll lead off here. I think the answer is very clear. It's Sam versus Courtney. Uh, we've already touched in pretty great detail of how Courtney's team has been ice cold. Sam's team has been on fire. Uh, even in this past week where he lost, he still put up over 250 points, which is a good mark on a weekly basis. And if he does that twice against Courtney, that might be the recipe for him to win right there is putting up that 250-point mark because her team's been pretty inconsistent lately. Jake, uh, I imagine you agree here, but do you have anything to add? Or if you have a different pick, what is it? No, this would be my pick, and this is really this. I guess this would be my only pick that you could classify as an upset because uh, this is the only lower seed seeded team that I would pick over a higher seeded team. So I guess by default, that's kind of my upset alert. I don't really have much more to add, though. I think what you said is pretty spot on. Fair enough. And then our our final question here, just looking at our first round of matchups. Which which matchup is most likely to be a blowout? I'll ask you first. Uh, I'm going to go with Nick versus JC. Just I know that I've referenced it a lot, but Nick has actually been the team that's been the hottest over the month of August. And uh, out of the playoff teams, JC has been the one that's been the coldest. And uh, JC hasn't really. I mean, the, the the loss of Trevor Bauer has really hurt, but he's since the trade deadline, basically since the beginning of August, it's been pretty tough sledding for him whereas Nick has really seemed to hit his stride and uh, I think that Nick's team is kind of built well for these playoffs where he can mix and match some of his starters I know that he has a couple that are hurt but once he gets those back I think that he'll be able to play play matchups really well and uh, yeah I think that he'll out of all of them I could see him running away with it I could see him running away with it more than I guess anyone else yeah, I have the same pick. Uh, I've been very high on JC's team all season from the very beginning when I said that either he or Big Money Mike would make their first championship appearance. I still have a high opinion of JC as a manager, but Nick has done an incredible job building his team out to be as matchup proof as it can be, especially when he has three big pitchers down. Um, I still think that the offense is very strong, which is a great recipe, especially for two-week matchups because it gives you that point consistency that I was just talking about with Mike and I. And uh, I think for JC, you could convince me that there's upset potential with this matchup where JC beats Nick. But I think in that scenario, everything would need to go right for JC. And so because, you know, to make that bet, it would have to be an everything goes right bet. I think I'm going to bet on Nick. And specifically, I think if everything doesn't go right for JC, there could be a pretty wide margin between Nick's final score and, and JC's final score. So that's also my pick for matchup most likely to be a blowout. Um, so we'll probably do that, something like that discussion every week with our playoff matchups moving forward. But let's go ahead and move on to Jake's standout player of the week. Go ahead, Jake. All right, my standout player of the week this week is Logan Webb. When 1-0... 13.1 innings pitched, 12 hits, two walks, three earned runs, 15 strikeouts. I scored 40 points, which is 20 points per game. And uh, this was a really good pickup by Nick. It's really rare that you have a guy, you have an impact starter that is available on waivers this late in the year. And uh, really, this is this is a guy who's 
kind of saving Nick at this point because of how many pitcher injuries he's had. Uh, Webb is performing like an ace, and he's been able to slide right in and replace a guy like Trevor Rogers, who's hurt and uh, not really miss a beat. So this is very good pickup, and uh, this could be the guy that leads Nick to a championship, once, especially once he gets back uh, some of his injured starters. That is Jake's standout player of the week, Logan Webb, who I think everybody is probably kicking themselves for not adding in, in any format that you play. He's been awesome, and he's he's a very young player. Uh, I think he's just 24, so it's an exciting guy to own. Matchup preview, this is going to probably sound like you know a little bit of, of a moot point since we talked about the matchups in great detail, but give me your best matchup heading into round one here, Jake. Uh, the matchup I'm most excited for is definitely you versus Mike. Uh, we've seen a couple good matchups this year, and I think out of all the matchups, this has the one, this is, has the one to be like the potential for just an absolute slugfest where both teams are scoring. I think if there's one matchup that each team can go over the 600 point margin, it's definitely this one. And I think that just the potential of that, I would, I would say that that's why it would be my best matchup. I have the same pick. This is probably going to sound like a boring episode after we're mostly in agreement, but I think it just goes to show um, how solidified each team uh, has kind of made themselves entering the playoffs here. And uh, yeah, me, me versus Big Money Mike. As I've already mentioned, I think these are the two most closely matched teams in round one in terms of talent. And both happen to be in the top half of my personal overall playoff power rankings among our eight playoff teams. So this one definitely gets best matchup nod for me. I'm excited to be matched up with Big Money Mike, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little bummed that it was coming in round one. On the bright side, though, whoever wins this matchup will probably feel pretty confident heading into round two because I think that the winner of this matchup will prove to be the favorite to represent the West Division in the championship round, because obviously whoever wins would have to have knocked off a very talented uh, team in round one. So that is our best matchup thing to watch for. Uh, my thing to watch for is a round one upset despite the extended matchups. And while I certainly won't go as far as to say I expect it, I can definitely be convinced that every single one of our round one matchups has upset potential in this first round specifically referring to seeding. The two division champions are not at full strength, and the two three seeds have strong rosters themselves. So that's why I say you, you, know, you wouldn't have to try too hard to convince me that any team could pull off an upset in this first round. I think there will be at least one upset in round one, and that's actually the exact number that I picked in our matchup prediction segment. Jake, what's your thing to watch for? Uh, my thing to watch for is... The fan, fan tracks projections, which Jordan uses kind of as the base of the spreads, he'll adjust, uh, he'll adjust them. But fan tracks is projecting the underdogs to win three out of the four matchups. Uh, out of I am the only, my team is the only favorite to survive, but fan tracks only has me winning by seven points. So fan tracks is projecting a big week for underdogs. And I just thought that was pretty surprising, kind of interesting. I definitely didn't expect it. <laughs> yeah, I guess is... we'll see if I guess we'll see if the machine is right or if uh, Jordan was right for adjusting those. It is interesting, and to be honest, I don't. I haven't actually looked at other people's rosters, but I'm guessing if Fantrax is, let's just say, projecting like a Josh Harrison for less points than Justin Turner. And I'm actually not starting. I think I'm actually, I think last minute I put Justin Turner in, but I was considering before I dropped him starting Josh Harrison over Justin Turner this week. It's probably going to give the nod to Justin Turner, but he's been averaging like an, an entire point and a half less than Josh Harrison over the last 30 days. So my guess is that Fantrax has somewhat of a flawed, you know, matchup preview predictor. I don't, I don't know. Who knows for sure, but I think that I guess my gut is telling me that they probably don't account for who's been hot and who is not lately, and that may play probably into probably not. That may play into in a big way uh, our playoff matchups. Like Logan Webb 
is probably projected for less points than Aaron Nola, but who would I rather have right now and for the rest of the season? Definitely Logan Webb, uh, based on what he's been doing for the last two months. Just as an example, who knows though? Maybe fan trap. Maybe I'm completely wrong, and it actually is taking into account how hot players have been coming into this first round. Matchup prediction records. So I actually didn't update our records from last week. So I'll just have to give you our overall record update next week. Not that you guys probably even really care because it's just me and Jake's picks. But let's make our picks uh, for these first round of matchups. First matchup we have Jake's fantasy baseball team versus team positivity. Jake, I'm going to make the picks first just in case you want to try to catch up to me in record because I, I don't think that you caught up to me fully last week even though I didn't count them up. I'm picking your team to win this matchup. Who do you have winning? Yeah, I'm also picking my team in this one. Second matchup, it's the other number one seed, Courtney versus Sam, Team C Deemer versus weak pullout hitter. I have Sam pulling off the upset in this one. Weak pullout hitter is my winner. Who do you have winning? Yeah, Sam was also my winner here. I have a feeling we're probably going to pick the same ones for each matchup. We probably will, but I don't it's it's gonna sound boring when we post the episode, but I think if anything it tells you where the majority mindset likely is with uh, what everyone would expect from these playoff matchups. For our third matchup, number one contender versus Big Money Mike, I picked my team to win this one, but I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous to play Mike's team. Who do you have winning this one? Uh, I have your team as well. Like I said, and, though, I think if everything goes... like The, the best-case scenario for... Mike is definitely right up there with the best case scenario of yours. I think that both both teams definitely have the ability to absolutely explode. Yeah, I, I would agree. And and it's obviously possible for one team to explode and one team not. You know, just because Mike's team goes off doesn't necessarily mean that my team is going to be right up there with him. So there is certainly a path in this one for, for Mike to pull it off. And then in our last matchup, Pine Run Market versus JC, hashtag $50 by 2022. I'll let you go with go first here, Jake. Who do you have winning this one? I have Nick winning this one. I have Nick winning as well, despite, I think when we did our playoff preview or like our Jake and Nate's crystal ball segment, I think I had JC winning in the first round, and I think I actually had him playing Nick and pulling off the upset. I'm going back on that, and I'm picking Nick to win this matchup now. Uh, Nick's team has just been... Very hot. He topped my team, and I put up a lot of points last week, so got to go with my brother Nick here. Around the league portion of the podcast, it feels like we're going through the episode quickly. That may be a theme here with these next few episodes since there's obviously less matchups to talk about, less content going on in the league. Let's get to it. Jake, give us your league history fact of the week. All right, so this is a good one. This is like several history facts all in one. So I did the, the media and stuff for this this year, I did that today, and uh, I found that Nick's head-to-head record was sixteen and three, uh, with a record versus the median of eleven and eight. Now, this is a couple things. Uh, Nick's sixteen and three record is the best head-to-head record of all time. Uh, the previous record was fifteen and four, so he beat that by one win. Also, we have that Nick also had the luckiest schedule in league history, as a gap of five wins between his head-to-head record and record versus the median. Uh, beats the previous record of three. So he's also had the luckiest uh, schedule in league history. And another interesting thing is if we did not implement the record versus the median this year, Nick would have beaten me and won the division by one win this year. So just a couple a couple kind of league history facts all in one. I just thought that was, that was pretty interesting because we hadn't really ever seen such a big gap between the record versus the median and the head-to-head record even when i went back and uh added all that stuff for previous years so that is the that is the league history fact it's a a couple league history facts this week well now i know where all my fantasy luck has gone it just happened to go to the other injuries in the family nick getting extremely lucky this year (laughs) no that's a it's a good league history fact of the week and uh i imagine that may be I, it might take another decade before we see that many wins over what the league median would expect. So 
kudos to Nick, I guess, for reaping one of the luckiest seasons that I'm I'm guessing we'll ever see in league history. Uh, Jordy the General's weekly sports book is up next, so welcome to week 15 in our first playoff edition of the weekly sports book. Take it away, Jordan. What's up, everyone? We're back. Another week of the sports book. It's playoff season, and I could not be more excited uh, to review. Last week, I went three and two, and uh, with my with my podcast screw up, let me just review my picks for you. I uh, I took Brendan to cover against me. Took Scott to beat Eddie. I took over in Sam versus Jerwin. Um, I took under Nate versus Nick, which was very embarrassing, and under with a median. So three and two all around. A good week. Um, record improved again we're now at 59 and 31 so things are continuing to go very smoothly here uh changing up a little bit of the podcast here we are down to uh four matchups and so i normally do five locks i'm going to take one lock from every matchup um plus the median so we're going to get the five that way instead of the usual favorite underdog over under Going to start things off with Jake and Jerwin's matchup. Jake minus 55 against Jerwin. Total 1,066 points. Um, so I did some research. I, I took every, um, I went back through starting in week 10 and took everyone's two week score um, minus the extended matchup that we had over the All Star break. So I, I added up like week 10 and 11, week 11 and 12, week 12 and 13, so forth, all the way up to week 19. Kind of, uh, you know, get a better gauge of things here for um, for making my picks. So I took the two-week scores, um, and I took an average here of, uh, of 539 points for Jake and Jarrow went at 473. That's taking the average and subtracting the highest and the lowest. So in an average, average two-week matchup in the back half of the season, Jake wins by 66 points. Uh, overall, this should be an easy cover for the uh, top seed in the tournament. So I'm liking Jake minus 55 points here. I think that he's going to uh, the, end, the, uh, end the positive vibes because optimism is dead. Next, we're going to look at Justin versus Nick's matchup. Justin minus 11 against Nick. Total 1,071. Again, using the same formula here. Um, I took the average minus the min and the max. And I also took an average of the last three matchups to see how they're performing now because obviously the teams in week 11 are not the teams in uh, the same teams in week 19. Um, so looking at both of those, uh, their total is um, 1,019 and 990 respectively. So we're way under that total of uh, 1,071. So I think that the under is pretty safe here. They haven't really gotten close to it at all. A couple matchups where they both went really high. Um, I don't foresee that happening there, though, with the number of injuries that both of these teams have. Uh, so I'm taking the under here to round out my locks for this, uh, this half of the bracket. Excited about this one. Uh, Nate versus Big Money Mike's matchup. Nate minus 29. Total 1,131, by far the biggest um, biggest total that we have for this week, actually like 60 points more than the next closest, which is Justin and Nick's. Um, it's very interesting. I hit this projection right on the head um, because the total is 1,131 points. And whenever I went through and took the average, um, their total was exactly 1,131 points. Um, so it's, it's kind of crazy how, how close I go with that. So a little pat on myself, pat on myself back. Um, I like the over here. Mainly, I think these two teams have the most boom potential. Um, I see this being a boom week for both of them, especially because we know that Mike is not known for his duds two weeks in a row. Um, but it was tough because they both, um, you know, Nate had a bad week. I think it was week 18 and then Mike really struggled in week 19. So I'm interested to see how these teams can perform after having uh, some a couple bad weeks in the past. But um, I, I really like the over here. I think this is going to be the highest scoring matchup of the week, and it's going to feel it's going to um, make the loser of this matchup really feeling bad and feeling like they got unlucky. Next, we're looking at Courtney and Sam's matchup. Uh, a little bit of a stunner here. Sam favored minus nine against Courtney. Total 1,070 points and a typical 2-7 matchup. Um, the two seed getting points is easy money, but not here though. Uh, while Courtney's average, um, 
and average without the minimum and maximum. It's higher than Sam's by quite a bit. It's astonishing to see that the last, um, taking the average of the last three weeks, uh, Sam's beating Courtney by almost 100 points. Um, so I have to look at a little bit of recency bias here and seeing how much Sam is surging and how much Courtney has been kind of just floating on by to make me really want to take Sam minus nine points. And I think we see um, a huge upset here, one of the biggest in, uh, in our playoff league history. So I'm excited for that matchup, Sam minus nine points. Median, 540 points. Um, did a little bit of research on this one too. So I took the average, I took the median of um, every, every kind of two-week matchup since week 10. Um, and there was not a median that scored above 540 points one time um, with these, with these uh, eight teams. So I'm excited to see how that one goes. I, I really do think that, you know, with the resets and everything at midweek, I think that we could get there, but I think it's going to be very close. Um, it's just about each team scoring close to 270 points, which is a lot. But I'm excited to see where this takes us. Uh, but I'm feeling very confident about my picks. Um, did a ton of, ton of research on this going back into the individual matchups. So I'm hoping that it pays off and gives me a 5-0 and a week. But uh, we will be back next week. Uh, another exciting uh, matchup for round two of the playoffs. All right, back to you guys. That was Jordy the General's weekly sports book. Thank you, Jordan, for that round one edition of uh of the sports book let's get on to news and notes and uh jake i'm I'm just narrowing it down to talk about injuries this week so welcome back you darvish alex bregman julio urias mookie betts carlos rodon and tj antone each of these guys are expected to be activated at some point this week uh who do you think is going to make the biggest impact for their team? I know not every one of these guys is in their team's lineup, but once they are back and presumably they would be placed in their team's lineup for at least week two, who do you expect to have the biggest impact, Jake? Uh, I think that it's probably you, Darvish. Uh, he's, if he's coming back on Tuesday. I believe he would be in line for three starts over the court. You, Darvish, is... Uh, an interesting pick because three starts from you Darvish is obviously huge, but I know that he was struggling for quite a while before he actually was placed on the injured list. So time will tell. I think my pick would probably be Carlos Rodon. He's the only spark on this list and Nick's uh, team has been, I guess the most vulnerable due to injuries coming into this first matchup relative to what he could have at full strength. Um, since three of his big pitchers are down. So I would expect he's going to kind of give the biggest boost to the team that he's on when he gets back. See you soon to Yasmani Grandal, Ian Anderson, Pablo Lopez, Nick Anderson, Corey Kluber, and Zach Eflin. Each of these guys are currently out on rehab assignments. And while they haven't had a target return date set by their teams yet, we expect them to be back before the end of round one based on them being out on rehab assignments Jake, biggest impact among these guys? Do you have an expectation? Uh, I don't think that any of these guys are going to have the impact of some of the guys we talked about. For maybe Corey Kluber, since the Yankees are hot, he can get some. He can get some wins. You know, he usually goes pretty deep in the ball games. Uh, um, I guess Ian Anderson is another one. Maybe Pablo Lopez, like Nick Anderson and Yasmani Grandal, even Zach Eflin. They don't really, they don't really do a whole lot for me. This. No, I'm in agreement. I think it would be for me between Ian Anderson and Pablo Lopez, and I'd probably give the nod to my boy Pablo Lopez. I just really like him for some reason. So no superstars on an imminent return, you know, through a rehab assignment right now, but still useful players. And then our final list of guys, see you later, George Springer, Alex Cobb, Kenta Maeda, Anthony Desclafani, Jacob deGrom, Shane Bieber, Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Rogers. Nelson Cruz, Jesse Winker, and Chris Paddock. Jake, a lot of fantasy baseball teamers on this list, unfortunately for you. Each of these guys was either recently placed on the injured list, experienced a setback while on the IL, or have been given no clear indication for a potential return by their team. And there are a lot of heavy hitters in this list. Uh, who do you think will make it back first from among this list? That's the question I'll frame for this one. 
Uh, I'm not going to, I'm, I will say, I, I'm not sure about some other guys like Trevor Rogers uh, and then Nelson Cruz is on the COVID IL. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure about the progress with Jesse Winker, but I do know that it, I, from what I've read, George Springer is progressing. I know that he still has a hurdle to clear. He still has to run the bases, but I, I think I'm expecting him back for the second week of the, of this first matchup, but I definitely think he'll be back for round two if I'm able to make it that far. There you go. So George Springer, we expect to be back. Nelson Cruz, because he's on the COVID IL, will probably be back. I read an article right before we started recording that Trevor Rogers is has now been back with the team for about a week. He said that he's probably going to need two bullpen sessions followed by two rehab starts. So I don't think that he's going to be back before round two. Maybe he'll be back in the second half of round two if Nick is able to pick up the win here in round one. Um, as far as all the other guys, who knows? Hopefully Desclafani gets back to Courtney's team before the end of round one. I'm sure that she would be happy to use him. But yeah, we're not totally sure with the rest of these guys. So that is our news and notes this week. It was pretty quick, pretty quick episode overall. But hopefully you guys enjoyed uh, this round one edition of the Best Player Wins Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Promise we'll have a better fantasy award segment for you next week. I promise I'll remember to remind everyone uh, to actually make nominations for that. And uh, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, if you would like to be on, we only have now three episodes left. We're going to do a semifinals preview two weeks from now, so we will not be recording next week. We will be doing a championship preview two weeks after that. And then after our championship round is over, we will be doing a season wrap-up episode with the league champion on, hopefully, whoever it is they agree to be on. I'm sure they will. But... That is uh, kind of the rest of our baseball season for the podcast here. So if you'd like to be on over the next two episodes, please let us know. We'd be happy to have you on. Jake, any closing words for this first playoff edition of our baseball podcast? Uh, Just good luck, everybody. Yeah, good luck, everyone. Uh, Hopefully nobody gets crushed by an unexpected injury in the middle of their matchup and kind of loses a big player and has to field, you know, quote-unquote, an empty lineup spot. That would suck. So hopefully everybody's roster, or I should say their lineup, as is, stays healthy. And uh, like Jake said, good luck to everyone. I know I'm going to be watching this White Sox-Blue Jays game because that's a big matchup, or a big game for me and Mike. He's got Alec Manoa going tonight. I've got Lance Lynn going tonight. So I'm excited to kick it off on this very first day of round one. We will catch you guys in two weeks, and uh, thanks again for listening. Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee